Digital transformation. Disrupt yourself or others will do it for you. But what does a digitally transformed business look like? More importantly, how do they operate? What if I'm already a disruptor? What should I strive for? Enter organizational agility at scale. It's a way of operating, a way of doing business every day, not a one-time event. In other words, it's the goal of digital transformation. Workday conducted a study of 998 business leaders around the globe and found two very interesting things. One, companies that exhibit agility at scale excel in five key areas. Two, we found that there's a strong relationship between digital revenue growth and organizational agility. I'm your host, Josh Christ, and I'm here with Bob Evans, industry influencer and founder of Cloud Wars Media Network. Thanks so much for joining us today, Bob. Hey, Josh. Great to be here. So digital transformation is such a loaded term, and it means so many different things to so many different people. What does it mean to you? Yeah, Josh, those two words have been used so much that in some ways the words themselves have become an overbeaten cliche. This really plays out when companies can harness the power of some digital technologies to really put the customer at the center of everything they do. In the past, businesses were concerned about, well, here's what I do, and here's the lane that I'm in, and here's the lane I stay in, and this is the way I engage with customers, and I'm going to do that a little bit better every year than my competitors do. And today, with the introduction of so many remarkable digital technologies, businesses are able now to reorient what they do around exactly how customers want to work and engage with them. Right, and that that incremental improvement might not cut it anymore. No, in fact, it's kind of deadly. It leads to some companies feeling like when they get focused on that incremental improvement and not quite sufficient inclusion of what's going on in the world around them and what customers want, they tend to say things like, well, that's not really what we do. Well, that's typically not how we operate. And I think that there are other companies zooming up in between them and their customers who are willing to do things the way customers want. And that's going to be a huge disappointment for some of those companies that can't get out of their own way. Right. I noticed you keep coming back to customers and doing things the way customers want them done. So how should businesses be thinking about digital transformation in a way that's not so grand scale, but still impactful? Not too many years ago, the job of the software company was to back a truck up with some CDs to a customer place, you know, pushed on the loading dock, grab a check and drive the hell away as fast as possible. Right. The world is totally different now. It's got to be about customer success. In the very old days, banks operated 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. They were called bankers hours. They weren't open on evenings, weekends, and so on like that, but they held the power. And that's been switched now. People are accustomed today to getting things the way they want, how they want it, where they want it, when they want it, and so on. And that can only happen inside companies or inside businesses who sell to them if they've got sort of an end-to-end view of how their operations work and how those map to what's going on in the world outside. Right. How does organizational agility fit into all this? It keeps coming back to this notion of it isn't now just about efficiency. It has to be about doing the right thing based on what's going on in the outside world and how do you get that constant flow of information coming in And then once it's inside your company, how do you assimilate that? How do you internalize it? How do you optimize that so that you are constantly working to really get the right balance between what you're doing inside, what you're planning to do inside, 
what you're executing on, and what's happening in the outside world. And through our research, we identified five key characteristics of leaders in organizational agility. Active planning, adaptable, empowered, skilled workforce, in control. But if you're at the start of your digital journey, that can be overwhelming to do all at once. So where should organizations start with all this, Bob? Everybody's got to get a good grounding, understanding what is the business that we're in? What do we do here? What's most important? And in some ways, that seems absurdly basic, but there's been a lot of companies that we've seen over the last handful of years that have run into some terrible trouble because they stayed isolated in just their traditional business and didn't have either the capability or the mindset that allowed them to move as their customers and market opportunities moved. So I think the first thing that a company needs to do is understand who am I, what do I do here, what markets am I focused on, and where am I going to go pursue opportunities and put the energy and effort that I'm going to be able to harness by going through some of those things that you talked about. And then once that's done, these notions that you described, like the constant planning, not feeling that a reorganization is a bad thing. It's an enormously essential thing. It's part of a good fitness routine for a company. Those external dynamics change out in the marketplace. You've got to change inside the company on a regular basis as well. That requires new skills constantly coming into the company. So then if you're going to have these sort of fluid organizations, you don't want everybody sitting around waiting for some faraway manager at headquarters to make decisions. Pushing data down into the hands of more and more people, they know what's going on, and they've got to be empowered to make the right decisions to be able to operate in an extremely timely manner. And finally, what pulls it all together is, does everybody in the organization have the right metrics they're looking at? Do they understand what are the levers they need to work on and exert pressure on to provide that maximum performance every day, every week? So many of the things that you just mentioned, it feels to me, and I'd love your take on this, that organizational inertia is kind of the anti-organizational agility. Would, would you agree? And if you do agree, how do you get over organizational inertia? How do you change that and get out of those old ways of thinking and doing? Uh, deeply rooted in the laws of physics, right? I mean, these aren't fad-ish things that will come and go over time. So in some ways, big companies or mid-sized companies, they're going to develop some sort of momentum, and it's either going to be in the right direction, oriented toward what customers in the market want and need, or it's going to be going in a direction that is out of date, out of phase, and irrelevance is going to come in. So I think that organizational momentum properly harnessed can be a great thing, but it's got to have it be much more agile, much more correctable, much more oriented. These other companies, when they finally realize, hey, I'm moving in the wrong direction, I'm approaching thin ice, or I'm going to crash into this tree over here, by the time they realize that, they don't have that rigor in place, those five steps that you folks had called out to try to correct this and adapt it. So uh, really starts at the top. It really comes from being just devoted to what's going on in the market, what the customers want and need. And I'll remake myself internally as frequently and as dramatically as I need to, to stay relevant in this fast-changing world. You know, when you were talking, you reminded me that one of the really interesting tidbits from the research was that the leaders are most likely to point to the finance department as the key contributor to revenue growth. Why do you think that is? I was certainly surprised by it as well, Josh, and I think 
part of that is that, that nobody expects that CFOs are going to go out and start to sell stuff with the sales organization, but rather are they the keys to helping to unlock some of those different high-value capabilities that your study outlined? How do you allocate people? How do you allocate resources? How do you allocate funding and set the priorities inside the company? If more people are going to have decision-making authority, then is the CFO and the finance organization able to back that up and support that by allowing resources to move as those new decisions are made? Or is it going to have where people say, well, I made a lot of decisions, but the company didn't support them and we don't have the money to do it. So it's all wound together, CFO sort of representing the resources and capabilities inside the company and giving freedom to parts of the organization with a good structure, everybody knowing what's going on, to make decisions and move as quickly as you need to stay highly relevant and valuable. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And what we also found was that the people who maybe weren't doing as well in some of these five areas still tended to look to the office of the CIO. And that's not to discount the importance, but I just found that really interesting that sometimes the, the finance function is seen as a little bit more traditional and maybe resistant to change, but in actuality, they're enabling a lot of this. You raise a great point there because we've got to be willing to sort of sweep away some of these cliches. I think what has to be done here is the CIOs have to understand that their job isn't to run the infrastructure of a company. It's to optimize the technology so the company can be as responsive and dynamic and innovative and customer-oriented as possible. The CFO can't be Dr. No. The CFO has to be the person who unleashes resources in the right ways and in the right cadence with the right priority to let the company's full capability have some impact and to pounce on these opportunities before other folks do. And I think in the same way, the CEO has to get behind this, any sort of digital transformation initiative where you don't have the CEO fully vested and fully leading the way, that's going to fail. So all of those C-suite priorities and dynamics going forward, they're quite different. Companies have to continuously evaluate and tinker with those exactly the way they do with the whole organization, as you described. And speaking of the future, while digital growth is promising and organizations believe that their main sources of revenue in the future will come for it, are these expectations realistic? Will every company be a digital company in the very near future? I think absolutely those things are happening. And it doesn't mean that nobody's going to make any physical products anymore or sell them. Those sort of somewhat traditional businesses and products, those are going to be stronger than ever for those companies that are able to become digital companies in that digital means I can engage with the marketplace on the terms that the buyers want to engage with me with. And I can also then start to create these data driven, data-based services that help me make my products and services better, and also to create individual new products and services that can be sold out in the marketplace. There's unlimited opportunities for companies that understand digital isn't about your website. It's about how you run your business, how you engage with customers differently, how you keep pace, how you accelerate the pace at which you do things. Right. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. What advice would you give as far as how organizations can streamline their technology, their people, their processes to get this agility and flexibility to better serve the customer? The C-level executives have to understand that 
the traditional roles of the CFO, CHRO, CEO, CIO, they have to be very different today. And this leadership has to start at the top. Organizational structure, as you identified in your study, that's got to be flipped around so that every single person inside the company is able to deliver maximum impact toward what's going on in the outside world, not just about internal efficiency. And wherever possible, companies have to evaluate how many people in my company are contributing toward things like innovation, toward speed, toward customer experience, customer success. And if you're not constantly pushing that number up, then there's something wrong with how the company's using technology, how it's investing in its people and its technology, and really from the CEO, what's the vision of who we are and where we're headed? So all of those people have to work in fantastic concert and elegantly moving forward into a future and being willing to remake what they do and how they do on a regular basis. Otherwise, they're just going to start going sideways. It's funny that you talk about vision because in my younger days, I thought vision was just kind of this corporate buzzword. But the longer I stick around, the more I see that having a vision and being able to communicate that vision is very important and very powerful. You know, you look at some companies that are really outperforming the market today. Efficiency and productivity and cost control and all of those things, that's all great. And those are essential parts of big businesses and successful businesses. But the key differentiator and the things that make the great companies different is how they're willing to engage with the outside world and how they're willing to remake themselves internally to meet those new needs. All right, great. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank my guest, Bob Evans. If you'd like to hear more Workday podcasts, be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.